0: To the PPA podcast. I'm Sophia Cullinane and today I'm joined by PPA's Head of Acting Mitchell Hunt. We have an incredible chat about Mitchell's journey throughout the performing arts industry. Mitchell is a joy to listen to and he shares some amazing valuable tips and tricks for the industry. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello Mitchell and welcome to the PPA podcast. How are you today? Hello.
1: Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: You're very welcome. I'm so excited to get chatting and hear all about your career. So okay. I've got a quick this or that game to get us started. So should we just go for it? Let's do it. Okay. Free lunch or free dessert?
1: Oh, free lunch.
0: Nice. Are you, would you say you're more of a savoury person than a sweet person then?
1: Uh, I'm, a, I'm a food person, to be honest. But uh, yes, I think if I were going to go free... Always a lunch because dessert's an option, isn't it?
0: Yeah, true. And I think the meal is bigger for lunch, so
1: absolutely get more for your for your free voucher. Good.
0: Yeah. Okay. Photos or videos?
1: oh That's so tough. That's a great one. Um, let's go. Photo. Oh, I don't even know if I agree with myself. Photo.
0: Yeah. No, I don't know whether I could pick either. Education or experience? Experience. Nice. Night
1: I say, as an educator.
0: <laughs> You're allowed your opinion. I mean, I think it's a hard one because both are great. <laughs> yeah, they
1: both have their place, but experience experience trumps it, I think.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Night or morning? Morning. Nice. Time machine. Oh, this is a random one, sorry.
1: Okay. Time
0: machine or magic wand.
1: What can the magic wand do? Is that it's just unlimited powers?
0: Whatever you want it to do.
1: <laughs> Whoa. Um, magic wand, I don't, I don't really want to play around with time. When I was young, there was a program called Bernard's Watch, and it kind of freaked me out. This guy had a little pocket watch, and he could freeze time. Ooh. But there was like a condition to it, like you should never wind the watch. I just remember an old man whispered the secret in his ear. I never found out what happened, but either way, it stuck with me it was a warning that was well served
0: yeah so that has definitely influenced your decision <laughs>
1: uh, yeah too much so yeah
0: <laughs> it's also like that in harry potter
1: i actually um, don't know anything about harry potter i know that's
0: <gasps> contentious wow. I
1: know.
0: is it something to be explored in the future or just
1: <laughs> no
0: <laughs> fair enough not, not interests. <laughs> no interests are you a marvel person then
1: i do i actually do enjoy the marvel films yeah
0: okay yeah okay last one is so it's taking us back to acting now film okay. or TV?
1: film all the way
0: nice have you done a mixture of both film and tv yourself
1: yeah majority tv um but yeah plenty of film in there as well films kind of how i got started so ah,
0: okay well Let's go for it then. How can you take us back to how you started in the industry and how that's of kind of led up to now?
1: To this moment right now on the PPA podcast. <laughs> um, the yeah the yeah I can I can actually. Um I think I always knew that I wanted to, to be an actor. My mum loves to tell the story that when I was 3 I like turned back from the telly and I was like I'm going to be on the telly one day. It feels too convenient a story, what but either way Apparently from like nearly pre-verbal stage, that was the dream. Wow. So um, started kind of chasing that. When I was at infant school, um, I don't even know how it happened, but just a friend of mine said, I've got a video camera. Do you want to make a film? And we were like seven. And uh, and we did. We used to do, um, we used to spoof James Bond films. And so like he had a tree house. And that would be like, I think our first one was called Dr. Die or something ridiculous like that. That's so
0: clever. I love
1: that. We used the super soaker for the gun. And we, like, for credits, we just filmed a piece of paper with our names written on it and stuff. Like, it was so, like, cute, I imagine, in, in hindsight. But anyway, then we kind of just kept doing it. And the older we got, the more we got into, like, what kind of special effects can we do? What what can we do with this? How does this? And he kept reinvesting in like the film equipment and stuff. And I would started taking acting classes. Uh, and then eventually got to a point where we were like 14 and we won a competition for BBC. So they showed us on the BBC and then they, and I mean, this was like, we were getting a little bit carried away. We bought a car and blew it up in the middle of a field and stuff like,
0: oh, wow! Ambitious. kids shouldn't
1: be doing it. But yeah, the ambition was there. Um, anyway, then we carried on kind of self-producing these films. They got bigger and bolder, and and then we we had a film to take us through some film festivals, and we ended up at the Young Persons BAFTAs. Wow! And then uh, and then we went to drama school. So um, we kind of both went our separate ways. He still wanting to be a director, but wanted to know what the actor's experience was, which I think is invaluable for a director. So it
0: was an sort of um, acting course. That you went yeah, through.
1: so so he went off to do a straight. But I went to arts ed and did the acting <laughs> course there. um So yeah, so screen had kind of always been my thing. um Although I would started going to a, a stage group thing. Bless my mum. She would like she. No one in my family is from the arts, so no one understood it. And uh-huh. She kind of thought, well, he clearly wants to do this. So she made. She's made a lot of sacrifices um but she used to like sit in a car park while i ran in and did my classes for a couple of hours and come back out and stuff and just always made it work but i remember that stage group i feel like i'm rambling now uh, the stage group we did the uh we did a it was like a music hall revival um and we did it at the players theater Charing cross and i can remember it was a really short run and i was i was young i was like 10 um but I can remember the, I thought back to this the other day, hmm. a really cringe moment. But I can remember sitting in the wing after the show had finished, final show had finished, and everyone was celebrating. I just cried because I was like, that's over. That, this moment Aww. that is the most fulfilling experience is gone. So I don't know. I've, I've always had a compulsion to be like storytelling yeah, and connecting with an audience. really in it. Yeah. And I kind of grew up like it was a it was a classic Southeast London upbringing. I grew up around in pubs. And so you like stories were the thing, like the men would stand around in a big circle sharing stories and the women would stand around in a big circle sharing stories and always trying to like outdo each other and make each other laugh. And just I don't know, I always got that sense that story is story is everything. Yeah. So um,
0: anyway, yeah. Engaged listening to those
1: stories as well well, was it? Because I was too young to be hearing oh, some of them.
0: Well, true. <laughs> but, but I mean it, it made you a more
1: rounded person. person.
0: Yeah. Maybe You've got Maybe. <laughs>
1: It gave me it gave me an insight into another world, yeah. Um and yeah, and then so I went to drama school. That wasn't the easiest um ride for me. I so I stuck basically I had a, a place um at East 15. And I'd accepted the place and I was, I was ready to go. But then I'd, and I'd worked hard to afford my auditions and stuff. Um, it was I think it was much more expensive then. And I'd, I'd paid for Arts Ed and I had a new monologue I wanted to work on. I had no intention of going there, but I thought, well, this is an excuse to try this new monologue. So I was like, really stupid, really arrogant. I was like, I'll learn the monologue on the train up there. And then just, like, use it in the audition, see see if it works. And anyway, it did work, but I fell in love with the place while I was there for the audition day. Uh-huh. And they phoned and they said, look, we, we don't technically have any places, but we're going to open one up for you if you're interested. And I was like, uh, yeah, I'm really interested. They were like, okay, now looking at your paperwork, we see that you need funding, but there's none available because all our spaces are gone. And I just stupidly was like, that's fine. I can afford it. And they were like, can you though? Because we're looking at your forms. I was like, yeah, no, that'll be, that'll be fine. (laughs) Just get me in. So I did. I just went and I was commuting. I was doing like a two hour commute in the morning, two hour commute at night. Still like just trying to make it work. Bunking trains and all that kind of stuff. Like just no money. Stealing the books that I needed and stuff. It was, you know, I was like, I was really at my capacity but also i wasn't you know i wasn't necessarily the best behaved young lad um anyway it was the second week of the second term and jane harrison who was um, head of acting at that point pulls me in the room and she says look we need to talk she says your behavior it's not okay you're arguing with the- cuz i I'd, I'd have massive arguments with the tutors because i just didn't agree with what they were telling us or i didn't believe that they cared as much as they should care I was, I was a little rebel really. And, uh, anyway, she said, you know, your behavior is not okay. And also you've not paid any fees. And I said, well, that's because I've not got any money. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, Oh, okay. This is awkward. So she, uh, she kind of saved my life in a way. She said, um, I tell you what, if you can, if you can go away, sort yourself out when you come back, we'll defer your place, come back next year and we'll give you full funding. Um, yeah. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was life-changing. So I did, I went away, got myself on the straight and narrow as it were, came back, committed absolutely to the course. Um, it was so much pressure off me there. I was able to really like enjoy the time and not be stressing about whether or not, you know, someone was going to pull the rug from under my feet at any moment. Um, and then yeah, come third year, they, um, they really made it happen for me. I was spotlight prize nominee and, Lawrence Olivier Award bursary nominee and um, yeah they they facilitated my agent contact really early on in the year and then I was working I was working before graduation so
0: that's amazing so would you say there's like one valuable lesson that you take with you from your training into your life I mean obviously there's probably many valuable lessons but one that really sticks with you
1: yeah I think there are kind of it's kind of a two-pronged thing because if I hadn't been the Kind of cocky, naive young lad that just said yes on a wing and a prayer, mm. and thought as long as I get my foot in the door, it'll all work out. If I hadn't have had that, then I, I wouldn't be where I am now. Yeah. But at the same time, if I hadn't of really taken that opportunity and got my head down and committed and worked hard, then I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have been able to see it through, regardless, and I wouldn't have had the opportunities that that then presented themselves to me after the training. So yeah, it's kind of a two-pronged thing, you know, like have that confidence, be bold, trust your instinct, go for it. And then once you've committed, absolutely do the work that's required of you and and don't let yourself and others down in that process. Because a lot of people have got a lot of, you know a lot of investment in you it's a lot, like i say my mum sacrificed so much so that i could afford to go to a weekly drama class and stuff and mm-hmm. that that's kind of all debt that you need to pay back not necessarily financially but in terms of i don't know respect and and showing up and and, and proving them right i suppose for having faith in you
0: that's amazing yeah i so agree yeah it's really interesting how life works out in weird ways yeah that yeah. if one thing doesn't happen then it might not lead to the next but it might not always be the positive thing that happens first say it for, for you it was like the negative well not exactly the negative but the learning curve which came to get yeah. you that final result
1: absolutely and I mean like Steve Jobs famously said you can only connect the dots going back mm, and it's that idea you never know how it's going to pan out but actually all of those moments so I'll play it all the way back The Spotlight Prize is where I met casting director Daniel Edwards, who was just starting out and he was bringing me in for kind of little bits, kind of like low budget indie type stuff. I just kept showing up for him, kept doing good auditions for him. He's like one of the head casting for ITV now. And he put me into Mr. Selfridge and and then essentially they brought what was a bit part back and gave the character a a bit more of an exploration and a full run in a series and all of those moments stem all the way back to to that initial thing that you just think oh wow that that seems inconsequential but actually if you if you play all the dots through
0: Mm. suddenly
1: you're at a a huge moment so yeah
0: yeah. it's it's a bit like the right place right time but you have to put yourself in the right place right time to get those opportunities
1: yeah yeah you're right absolutely yeah and they say don't they that luck equals opportunity and preparedness so a lot of people would look at it from, from the outside saying, well, they've been lucky. You don't see the all the work that's gone into that moment and forging that moment.
0: Yeah. No, it's really interesting how just going back on the conversation, how you started out was very playful and it's lovely to hear that it has come from playing around to then becoming a career because it stayed fun
1: absolutely absolutely
0: so yeah you briefly mentioned doing Miss Selfridge could you like go expand
1: yeah so um that was when was that a few years back basically just uh, I've been going in a few times for Daniel on that um different roles things not necessarily landing but always you're never auditioning like a, a piece of advice is you're never auditioning for the role in front of you, uh, you're auditioning for every audition and every role that might come across their desk that fits you. So it's it's important not to be, you know, hell bent on getting that gig, but understanding that as long as you arrive prepared and you make a great impression, then you're setting up future gigs without even knowing it. Nice. Um, so I was always just really kind of keen to 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 do a good job for him. And then again, eventually this this role comes in. It was a reporter, just a couple of scenes in an episode. Um, but working with the the leads of the show, so yeah, I, I snapped it up. But then it was this, the next season. I got a phone call and he said, uh, "Look, we we need um, a reporter to essentially be the one that unravels all of the all of the stuff and uh, eventually brings about Mister Selfridge's downfall." Um, and we figure we might as well bring you back because you were the reporter. So we'll bring you back. We'll say that he's had a promotion in the meantime and. And that he's now this investigative journalist or whatever it was. And uh yeah, so Joe Joe Tooby got his got his revival and uh and I managed to, to have a nice through line. And then I was doing Hollyoaks at the same time as that. So it was really weird jumping from period drama to very contemporary soap. Bet.
0: How did you how did you do that?
1: I don't know. In my head I played this weird fantasy that the reporter in Mrs. Selfridge was the grandfather of the guy I was playing
0: in Oh my gosh, I love that.
1: <laughs> no, it's it just, so
0: clever. It was
1: just a, a silly idea. But um, yeah, you, to be honest, my approach with acting is very much just being in the moment. There are some technical aspects that you need to apply. And then you're given circumstances, you say it's accent or, or something like that. Um, and the way that you might handle yourself and the clothes that you wear. I mean, when you're in period drama. One thing you do is sweat because it's just yeah. layers and layers and <laughs> layers, under oh, such intense lighting. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, I didn't. I didn't necessarily find that my approach to the work changed, um, but the feeling's very different. The feeling like when you're standing in front of yes, like forty-foot green screens in, in on a on the it will film in, in uh, Chatham Docks. And they'd completely changed it to look like what Oxford Street would have looked like at the time, and wow. like just the, the scale of it is incredible. And then you're you're in a kind of fake news agents on Hollyoaks, and all the chocolate bars are about four years out of date, and <sighs> everyone's just trying to get through quick because you've got five episodes to do in the week, and they're very very different productions. But I'm yeah. very lucky to be able to see both both worlds.
0: Yeah, that's such an amazing experience. So. When you were doing Hollyoaks and it was so, like, fast-paced, how mm. did you cope with that? Did you find that was quite stressful or...?
1: Um, not really. Like, I've, I'm have i quite lucky I can learn lines relatively quickly mm. um, and you have to be able to. Like, it's a skill that you have to... If Especially if you want to work in soap, because there's so much opportunity to work in soap or long-form series drama, you know? You have to... It's a muscle that you have to absolutely exercise um, in terms of how quickly you can turn pieces of script around. And it will serve you well for, you know what it's like for auditions and self-tapes and all that kind of stuff. You don't have a massive timeline. But if you've done all of your prep, you've done all of your character, you know essentially what's going on in the scene. Mm. A lot of times in soap, they'll they'll stay relatively flexible with you. And I mean, I've had some awful experiences of an actor arriving to a scene and saying, I've decided I'm not going to say any of this you just think no i set up all night learning this so you are gonna say
0: oh yeah, yeah yeah
1: but yeah so people have different approaches i think you're working with a lot a lot more uh, diverse personalities when you're in soap um so yeah sometimes that's that's the sticking point around how how others are approaching the work but ultimately you just you just have to do the work it is it's not the glamour that people think it is because it's just long nights going through script after script after script
0: and when learning your lines do you kind of make it a playful approach or is your approach kind of drilling
1: it in Uh, yeah it's pretty it's pretty regimented it's it's just repetition for me I think there's a there's a great trick um anyone can call me walking around PPA or uh, but basically you write out the scripts, but your lines, you only write the first letter of each word. And it serves as like a bridge between the full text and full remembering. Yeah. And it's just a little halfway point between the two the two stages, which is really, really helpful. Um,
0: Thank you.
1: But, but yeah, it's just, a, it's just a case of, you know, I, I shot recently for BBC and I was just in the hotel the night before getting the script learned because I hadn't had that time. Mm. But you just have to just make sure the TV's turned off and make sure you're you're just going through and going through and going through it.
0: Yeah, it's a great Pretty discipline. It's, it's discipline, having that discipline to be like, no, no distractions, I'm going to do this.
1: Yeah, and discipline is such a, such a massive part of this industry because you spend more time out of work than you do in work. Mm. And in hoping to get back into work, you need to be disciplined whilst you're out of work and make sure that you're ready for it when the moment does come.
0: Yeah, and how have you coped with in those times when you don't have work? Did you have like a side hobby that you enjoy doing, or?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm always relatively busy, um, in terms of being creative or, uh, just working. You know, like if I'm not on set, I've I've had probably. Yeah, I've had a job in probably every sector there is professionally. I'm I'm a barista, I'm a PT, I'm like uh-huh, like I've worked really. in mortgage administration. just like ridiculous side jobs, day jobs. Yeah. Which is great. You need to constantly immerse yourself in the real world. If you spend too yeah. many like, too many days with actors, then you forget what it's like to be uh, the people you're meant to be portraying. Yeah. Um I I've swear. always kind of just stayed creative I, I keep working with my um, creative partner who, who used to make the films together when we were kids. And oh,
0: uh, You're still in touch.
1: Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. We're love like it. best friends. So yeah, is uh, that's really nice. Um, and yeah, and I I did a podcast for a year with another creative partner. And um, yeah, just uh, just always always staying busy because the last thing you want is to be in an audition room and they say, "What have you been up to recently?" Mm. And then you say, mm, "Not much." And then suddenly you're just that boring person in the room.
0: Yeah. I mean, life has so many avenues to explore. Why not explore them all?
1: <laughs> mm, precisely. But I will say, you know, as a caveat, I've not actually had too long between jobs. So That's great. I don't know. If it started if I if I think if I went a full calendar year without booking a job, then I'd start to start to get the cold sweats. <laughs> That's
0: so funny. Yeah, I do think it's it's all about just keeping yourself going really just always
1: that inspiration that's it yeah yeah absolutely yeah and finding it from different places because sometimes it could be I don't know it could be that bar job that suddenly inspires the next creative output
0: Yeah, I suppose you see so many different characters, like say you're working in a bar, you see so many different people that you could then bring to a script or then bring to a Mm. TV show or whatever.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You just got to keep your eyes and ears open all the time.
0: Yes, well, I think that's a brilliant thing to end on is just keeping yourself open to inspiration, keeping your eyes and ears open. (laughs) And yeah, because I literally could chat to you all day, but I do need to wrap it up, unfortunately. It was an amazing chat. I've got one last question to end on. Oh, okay. Um, Which is, do you have a piece of advice or like a quote you like to live by that you can share with us? Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think valuable advice, I'd say, I'd say, I actually said this to my second year actors um, just yesterday, but at the end of the day, when your head hits the pillow and you close your eyes, it doesn't matter who you're sharing the bed with, that moment where your eyes close, you are alone with yourself. And at the end of each day, you need to know that you've done right by yourself. And I think if there's a time where you're closing your eyes and in that little in a conversation that takes place you know that you've let yourself down or you've done something that doesn't feel right or is against what your your true values and beliefs are then then you know then you know you have somewhere to go forward but you should always be aiming to arrive at that point at the end of the day where you say you know what I showed up for myself today I did what I believe in I did what I think was right and that's that's kind of all that matters everything else should just fall away and you should just know that as long as you're living truthfully with yourself and you know that usually implies that you're not harming others or doing things that are detrimental to anyone else um then that's all that matters and that so that means that you don't need to worry about what what job you're booking or what agent you're with or but they they got that opportunity and i didn't get just as long as each day you can close your eyes and be content with the way that you served yourself that day i think that's what counts.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's gorgeous. Yeah. I but in
1: so terms of it. a quote, I think I'd say, um, "This too shall pass." That's that's really served me in life, and that means like when you're riding high and you're having that fantastic moment, you know, you're halfway through the the, the contract and your West End debut or something. You know, just remind yourself, "This too shall pass." So really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Absorb every moment you can. Revel in it. But also in those low moments where you've not had jobs, you just can't get an audition to save your life, whatever's going on, that also will pass. So everything's temporary, everything's transient.
0: I love it. Thank
1: you so, so much. It's been brilliant. Thank you, Sophia. It's been wonderful to chat and to to meet you properly as well.
0: Yes, 100%. Thank you so much. We shall end it there. Thank you.
1: Lovely. Take care, everybody. Lots of love. Bye-bye.